This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Cindy, a marketing expert, brand build strategist, and I help entrepreneurs or founders, business leaders, figure out how do we expand our businesses? How do we build relationships with our customers to keep them coming back so we can continue to grow in revenue? So excited to be here today. I'm excited to have this conversation, Cindy. This is going to be a good one because I think, I, I don't think, I know that as we talk about this marketing funnel, there are big gaps. And so if you've been listening to all these episodes this year so far, we've been talking a lot about this marketing funnel. And today's title is, Is Your Marketing Funnel Leaking Clients? Improving Relationships and Conversions. Our guest is Cindy Chang. She's a brand coach. And we're going to really dig into a, a few different places. We're going to start in that middle of the funnel and talk about where you could be having some leaks in that funnel. So just as a recap, the middle of the funnel is consideration and purchase. So the top, you've already had awareness and interest. Now they are thinking it through. You've had some interaction with them. It could have been interaction on your blog. So it might not have even been an actual physical call or whatever. Now they're thinking it through and and then they're also making that purchase or conversion in the middle of the funnel. And we're going to also talk about how the middle of the funnel is not the end of the funnel, (laughs) right? A lot of people think of this middle of the funnel as the end. And so we'll get into that a little bit more. But let's start first with that middle of the funnel part and talk about how you can build those relationships with someone who's at that phase. So Mm -hmm. where do you usually see people either having problems with that section or making improvements? What what kind of areas do you see are there for improving in terms of relationships? Yeah. So the middle of the funnel, like you say, Karin, is 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 critical really because it's it's where we convert, right? It's where we go from someone who's interested to someone who's actually investing. And so yeah, this is where you really want to think about how we're showing value in the relationship. And so it's really about at this point, not so much just educating people on, you know, what we can do together. It's all about helping people understand the outcomes that they can get when they work with you. Yes. Okay. So as soon as you said showing value, I was thinking through a bajillion of conversations I've had with potential clients and what their interpretation of that might be versus what you were just describing in terms of outcomes. So what do people usually think showing value means? Yeah, love it. This is such a great thing to talk about. Yeah, to dive into. (laughs) (laughs) When I say showing value, I don't mean that you are explaining to someone all the things that you do, right? Like you're not explaining to them, hey, you can pay me to do X, Y, Z. You're explaining to this, this potential client, hey, if we work together, here is things that you don't have to worry about. Like don't have to worry about, you know, 
if taking, you have a business, you don't have to worry about all the potential risk. Exactly. And we're going to take care of your contracts and exactly you know, dot all your I's and cross all your T's and you yes. know, all of that kind of stuff. Yes. If you're, if you are a business and you're hiring an employee, like, don't even think about the paperwork. Like yes. we will take care of all of that. You just focus on getting the right talent for your team and like all the nitty gritty stuff. Like we got it right. That's yes. the outcome that your client is, is, is thinking about. They're not interested in, oh, okay. And in this contract, we're going to have XYZ sections and these XYZ sections are going to mean blah, 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 blah. Like right. that's your subject matter expertise, yes. but the client doesn't actually care about that. The client just cares about can, can they find the right talent for their team and have, you know, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Like that's yes. all they want to know. I, I love this because I feel like I have so many stories and examples of this, especially from early on in my own business. And I think there's in this decision process, we all know this is psychology, right? So you're getting inside people's heads. And when people are at this point, they are worried, right? They're worried they're going to make the wrong decision, but they just need some assurance, right? So early on in my career, I started with my positioning was much more focused on offering a cheap option, getting a bunch of people in the door. And so that really worried them about the quality, right? So you because you can't really have both. So I can't tell you the number of times in the first few years of working with lawyers and law firms that I would be on the call, and they would say, well, can you basically tell me what the website's going to look like? <laughs> <laughs> can you just do a quick, can you do a quick sort of draft of, you know, what it's going to be? And to me, this was telling me that they, they're, they're worried basically what we were just saying. Like they're worried about what that outcome is going to be. So then it was my job to assure them. And usually this was done by pointing them to past work. So take a look at my portfolio. You can see that your work is not going to be like this. It's going to be custom. It's going to be different and whatever, but you can see the variety of work I've done. And you walk them through the experience you've had with other clients. And that's your job in that moment to assure them and try to kind of get through that worry that they have at that moment. What other tips do you have for that kind of moment and helping them through that sort of concern. Yeah, I think this is really great because to your point, it's like a huge, so, so this is the decision-making moment, right? And so as your client is deciding, should we move forward or not? Like they're going to have objections. They're going to have fears. And it's your job, like you're saying, Karin, to reassure them that they're yeah. making the right choice by moving forward. And so we want to understand what the objections are. I think this is really important. A lot of people, when we think about marketing, it's like, oh, just like avoid the objections and only talk about the benefits. But that's actually yes. not a good way because it doesn't right. mean that they don't have objections. It just means that you're not opening the door for them to feel assured that their objections are going to be met and handled, you know, safely. Yeah. I've always seen that. Like if they have questions, that's good. That means yes. that they're working through the idea of working with you. If they don't have, have any questions, they've already made a decision. They've already yes. got to the point where they're like, they're either yes or no. <laughs> you know? So it's like too late now. So you can't like help them through those questions. So what we often say when we're building the, the content for a website like this is all those FAQs. It's first of all, it's really good for Google and SEO. But second of all, it, it's for this psychology of the purchase process to help them 
push over these hurdles more quickly. Yeah, 100%. FAQs are so great. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing you can do when handling objections too, is to really paint the picture for them on what is like the opportunity cost, right, of them not moving forward. And so this can be really good. This works especially well if the objections are um, related to, to money or to cost. Like if your client doesn't, you know, is like, okay, do, are we at the point right now where we really need to bring on, you know, legal counsel or, or can we just like kind of, you know, get by you know, doing something yeah. else? Right. Right. Like whenever the investment level is the objection, sometimes it can be really good to paint the picture for your clients on, okay, but here is the opportunity cost of not investing right now. Here yes. is what you might be putting at risk. Yes. Here are the hours you're going to burn. I'm trying to like plow through this stuff by yourself, like whatever it is that they're going to, instead of the monetary investment, whatever else it is, time, energy, et cetera, that they're putting at risk instead, you want to really paint that picture for them in this moment. Oh, that's so good. As soon as you were describing that, I was picturing a divorce lawyer and I was picturing all these landmines that if you're a divorce lawyer and you've seen this over and over and over, you've done a whole bunch of divorce work and someone has probably probably not gone through a divorce before, (laughs) you know, let's just assume the positive. Maybe, maybe it's one other time, but you know, it's going to be a unique experience. You never necessarily know how that's going to go. And, but your lawyer would, your lawyer would know all these potential landmines. And so all of a sudden you can now paint that picture like, Hey, the cost of this is X, but the potential issue, if you know, if this happens is X plus 100 or X times 100 or, you know, whatever that might be. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just this arbitrary number. You have justified your value a hundred times over. So that's, that's so great. I think, you know, because all of a sudden then it's the decision is easy. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And what you said was so key too. Like, it's great to identify whenever you're working with a client who just has never had to make this decision before. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to Starbucks and getting a coffee. And I do that like every Monday. It's like, I have never gone through a divorce before. I do not know what questions I need to be asking. I do not know, like, if I make this decision, what happens? If I make that decision, what happens? Like, I have never done this before. Same thing with like, you know, home ownership or like hiring team or like, you know, many situations where you may be like your clients may be bringing you on, you, your job is to kind of help them understand, like paint the picture for them. Yeah. What happens down the road? Yeah. Um, that could be so valuable. Okay. So I know we talked about this for a minute before, but you have this great approach and kind of philosophy about how to actually get them to buy. So usually with law firms, that's convert, you know, same idea, same phrase <laughs> that we're going to just kind of interchange. But can you talk a little bit about the place people are at in their mind and the, the right approach with that? Yeah. When it comes to conversion, you know, it's about making people feel safe to move forward, really. And a lot of times this actually comes down to like a very emotional choice. Like everybody likes to think they're, they're rational and logical and, and, and we are, but in the moment that someone is actually converting, it's, it's really a lot of times will come down to like your relationship. You know, do they trust you? Do they feel like they, are in good hands with you. Like it's less so about, you know, how good does your resume look on paper? And, you know, it's more about like, how are you making them feel in this moment? And so the more that you can help them feel trust, help them feel safe, the better it is and the easier it will be for you to convert them into a client. So what are some examples of how you can make people feel more safe and trust you more? 
Yeah. So it all comes back to relationships, right? And so, you know, this will be a little bit different for everybody, just depending on what you feel like your, honestly, your like personal brand is. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So if your personal brand is, I'm going to give you two examples. Let's say you are kind of a super aggressive shark that goes after personal injury cases and your brand is, I will get it done. I will go after them. I will get you as much money as possible. That's one example. And the Mm -hmm. other is more of an estate planning attorney who is, let's say that the first example is a, a man. The second example is a woman, estate planning attorney. I sit down with you. I may come to your house. I will be very personal. I know that this is a very personal experience. And so so the approach is not aggressive in any way. It's more soft and personal and emotional. Tired of guessing your law firm's marketing budget? The Conroy Creative Council Marketing Budget Calculator is your answer. Custom tailored and data informed, it guides your investment decisions for maximum impact. This tool simplifies budgeting and aligns with your goals so you can harness data for smarter decisions. Make informed, strategic investments. Discover how at ConroyCreativeCouncil.com. Finding it hard to navigate through the clutter of legal marketing options? Marketing Co-Counsel is here to cut through the chaos. As your fractional CMO, we streamline and revolutionize your marketing efforts and boost your firm's growth. From digital marketing to traditional outreach, our expertise spans all facets of legal marketing, ensuring that your firm stands out in a competitive landscape. Discover what Marketing Co-Counsel can do for your firm at ConroyCreativeCouncil.com. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. It, so, you know, for the first example, like someone who you are the one who is the aggressive, you know, like that's your brand, you're going to get it done. You're like, no bullshit. You know, you're yeah. like going to go after it, help them get results that they want. Yeah. Like really lean into that. Right. Like your clients are probably looking for someone to like bus balls. Yeah, <laughs> and right. You know, so your job, whenever you're converting this client, whenever this client is about to make a decision on whether to move forward with you or not, your job is to kind of like reaffirm, you know, this is the outcome that we're going after together. Like we are going to make sure that you can, you know, triple your investment with me and like that you're going to reap benefits from this. Whereas with the estate planner, you know, much different approach where maybe it's all about, like you said, you know, sitting down together with your clients, really helping your clients feel like they're understood, like that you're going to take personal time out of your day to sit with them to listen, you know, to understand like their family structure, you know, understand all the things that they're thinking about when it comes to like providing, you're going to take that much softer approach with them and really help, you know, talk to them about the outcome of what it would look like to work with you. Here's how they can feel. Here's what they can sleep easy at night knowing, you know. Yeah. I love that language. 
The other thing we'll say to oftentimes to that more aggressive attorney is you're not going to ever use the word if. It's always when this, you know, so even your language really matters because if you're sending emails and let's say they're still in that this middle decision process and you're asking, first of all, you're not going to send a lot of emails because they are either going to be a yes or a no and you're going to be somewhat assertive about that. And if if you've already sent a few emails following up on your call, you're going to move on and you're going to show that you've got other things going on. But you're not going to say, if you have time today, would you reply to my email, please, with like a little smiley emoji? That's not your positioning, right? It's going to be, when you make a decision, please let me know, period. And then you're moving on and you're going to set that email over to the side and you're going to sit in that positioning and that's going to align with every other conversation you've had that estate planning attorney if they wrote that email it would feel so off to that client and they would be like oh she is having a bad day <laughs> well, i don't know what's <laughs> happening but i you know i'm not, I, I i'm changing my mind you know because that just feels that doesn't feel right so, I love that you're saying all of this because I think that a lot of times with marketing, what ends up happening is we end up wanting to imitate the way other people do it. So like yes. if you, right, like, you know, other people in the industry, you know, they're super successful. You may be tempted to do what they're doing. Maybe like their approach is to, you know, cold email people all the time, or maybe yeah. their approach is to knock on doors, you know, whatever that may not work for you because no. that may not be your brand and it's okay. Like that is how it should be. Right. So like it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And you know, these experiences where you've come to understand a certain thing about a brand, whether whatever it is, food, certain clothes, whatever that might be. And then all of a sudden they take a left turn and they start doing something. You're like, what are they doing? They're destroying my understanding of what this is. I recently had some example and I can't think of what it was, but I was like, that is, that is such a mistake. It was such a left turn. And what they should have done is dig more into what, what the thing was that they were already doing. And it just felt so strange. But what I wanted to get to before we run out of time is to talk about your dream audience, your dream client, ideal client. However, people, you know, all of these things are kind of the same idea that you hear in, you know, podcasts and blog posts and all of that stuff. But how does this relationship thing work in order to get that dream client or more specifically attract that audience. So we're kind of pushing back up to the top of that funnel now, if we talk about the audience, but then the client would be more in the middle of the funnel where like now they've kind of, you've gone from like just everyone down to, you know, a few people, but can you talk a little bit about how that works in terms of relationships and first of all, figuring out who your dream audience is and then how you make that work? Yeah. It's such a great question. And I am going to challenge everyone who's listening to this to free yourself up a little bit from being tied down by hard data and demographics when it comes to your ideal client. This is something that I believe really strongly in when it comes to marketing and selling and, and really importantly, relationship building. Yes, it is really helpful if you have a clear picture of like, okay, my ideal person is, you know, age 30 to 45, they're, you know, middle-aged, you know, parents, they maybe have young to teenage kids, like, yes, super helpful if you understand that background. However, 
you knowing that data is not going to help you have a conversation with this person. Like, yeah. what are you going to, you know, right. <laughs> what are you going to yeah. say? It's kind of generic data. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So what you really want to know and dig into and have just really clear idea in your mind of is what matters to this person? Like, so this person is a parent age 30 to 45. Like what keeps this person up at night? That's the first yes. question I want to answer. 100%. I'm going to give you an example as you're kind of talking more about this in terms of a website design. So what I see all the time when a first firm is first contacting me is I go to their website, of course, and see, you know, what's kind of going on, what are they doing? And it's a picture of a skyline of whatever city they are in. And it says, we are X lawyers in Y city, and this is our practice area. And so that is that demographic information that you are describing. And you're just sort of like pasting it up on the web front of the website. This is what websites were doing probably 15 years ago, <laughs> at mm -hmm. least. And that was fine then. But this is not what people are looking for anymore. They are looking for what you're describing they are looking for an answer to what is keeping them up at night. They don't care what city you're in. I mean, they probably assume that they, you know, they, they will care that, that you're in the same city as them. But, you know, that is not number one. They care about their problem. So can you talk about the difference between like that old school approach versus what you were describing? Yeah, it's really all about how can you make it as easy as possible for someone to say, oh, my God this is what I need. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So when I come to a website and I see, you know, a skyline and like, we're serving XYZ city, I'm like, okay, do I live in this city? Yes or no. And that will tell me whether or not like, I'm going to go for this, you know, firm, <laughs> right? Whether I'm going to hire this firm. Very rational decision-making process, right? Like very sure. unemotional. It's like very uh, objective. Yeah. Versus if I come to a website and it says to me, parents of young kids, you know, are you worried about... I'm going to take this example to like financial saving, for example, like, have you thought about how you're going to pay for college? Like, yeah. do you, you know, do, do you know for sure that your kids will have opportunity at getting a great education? Wow. Now, now I'm like, oh my gosh, like, right. are, am I providing for my kid's future? Like, am I providing for my family? And like, now we're talking emotions. Now I'm, now I'm there. Now I'm like, yes, I'm this person. How can I provide for my kids? Yes. Right? Do you see the difference yes. between yes. how potent that message is? Yeah, it's a lot like these things that I keep seeing about like having a conversation where the conversation starts out like, tell me about your childhood. And I had this great episode with Celeste Headley, who is an NPR co correspondent. And, sh and she was talking about these conversations that people have and how um, the episode's called Why Smart Lawyers Are So Bad at Conversations. It's so good. But she talked about this. So she, and she used me as an example. And she totally got me because she said, OK, tell me about your childhood. And I was like, ah, uh, I don't know where to begin. I grew up here and I, I don't know. You know, I, I choked. Right. And then she said. And I can't remember the exact question because this was like a year and a half ago. But then she said something, she asked me something very specific, like, tell me about a time, something, something, something. And I instantly had a whole story. I had a whole thing. And it's the same idea with your website. Like, don't say we are in Texas. <laughs> like, who cares? That is not, you know, you. it's way too broad and it's not getting to the point. Instead, say you know, something more specific, like you're describing about like, what is keeping them up at night? 
Can you afford college? Is your child going to take on the burden of debt for the rest of their life because you're not planning now, you know, or, you know, whatever, maybe you don't want to be that aggressive, but whatever your approach is. Yeah. And the messaging doesn't have to be negative, right? Like you should know what's keeping them up at night, but you don't have to make that negative thing the message. You can make the positive side of it the message, right? So like, if you know that what's keeping them up at night is like, are my children going to have the burden of debt or are my children going to have, you know, opportunity at higher education? Maybe the message is like, you know, never worry if your kids will be able to afford things like assure their future yeah. now, right? Like yes. and give them that sense of safety. Like you can, right? you can message the positive side of it, but you, you want to know what it is that your clients are worried about. Yes. Okay, so I really briefly want to talk about the bottom of the funnel because that was a little bit of top of the funnel. We spent a bunch of time in the middle. But briefly, I feel like, I keep saying I feel, but I know that this bottom of the funnel is the most ignored and forgotten about. It's like, you know, over so sadly kind of over in the, the corner. Most people forget about it. So to recap real quick, bottom of the funnel is post-purchase. So after your case is done, or at the conclusion of the case, and then repurchase. So how you nurture those relationships. And we all know if you've read any business books ever, or even just an article about building a business, that the majority of your potential for future sales are there in those past clients. With some exceptions, of course, to certain practice areas, you know, like criminal defense or whatever. But Let's talk because this is very much about relationships and how you sustain and nurture and do all of that. So do you have some kind of quick, basic tips about, first of all, thinking about that and making sure that you are thinking about that and then what to do? Yeah. I think the first step really is to make sure you're thinking about it, right? Because some people just, yeah, a lot of times we overlook that. We always are thinking about the shiny new thing of, you know, what new people can we bring in? But there's two ways to grow your business. You can go after new people or you can get the same people to convert again. (laughs) Right, right. Yes. And it is way easier to get the same person to convert again. Why? Because you don't have to educate them about what it is you do. They've already bought with, you know, they've already invested with you before as a client. So they know the experience of working with you. There's just like way less time and upfront um, resources that you have to invest into educating this person, building trust with this person, because this person already has a relationship with you. Yeah. Okay. So what are some, do you have some tips for things that people should do in terms of nurturing those relationships, obviously broadly, but what are, what are things that you see that usually work the best? Yeah. So this comes down a little bit again to what kind of, you know, personal brand do you have, but overall the best way to approach this is just think about what's the best way to stay in touch. Right. And so depending on what kind of business you run and what kind of brand you have, this may look a little different. So if you, you know, does it make sense, for example, for you to send holiday cards to your past clients and just remind them, you know, around the new year about certain business activities that they might be doing that you might be able to help with? Does it make sense for you to throw an actual in-person event and just say, you know, you're my valued client. Thank you so much for working with us this year. Like, come, you know, come join us for 
you know, New Year's cocktails or something and you have that in-person relationship and get in front of them and have a conversation with them, like learn about what's going on with their business, learn about what's going on with their life. You seek out those opportunities, you know? And so it really, it's up to you how you want to approach it. But the main thing is like, how are you staying in touch and how are you keeping a pulse on what's going on with your client so that you understand what they need that they may not even be thinking about yet? I love that. I, as you were talking, I was picturing a business attorney who has all these business clients and maybe you could bring them together because they're likely in the same community. What a great opportunity to kind of cross reference and get those relationships going. Now you're that central connector. You're doing all this great business. One example, the other example I was thinking of that was so smart in my mind is my daughter's orthodontist <laughs> at the end of the year rented a theater, which I've done this for a birthday party and it's a few hundred bucks. And, you know, if you know how expensive braces are, (laughs) you know, that this is nothing compared to, you know, what his, his revenue is. And then sent out an email to his entire client base and said, Hey, come and watch a movie with all of us. And I think it ended up being a couple theaters because he's got a huge customer base in this area. And But for a few hundred bucks, first of all, just sending out uh, holiday cards, is going to cost a few hundred bucks, you know, like that's, you know, to that many people. So for him to do that, and it was such a big, splashy, cool thing to do. We all sat down, watched a free movie and like they're outside kind of like saying hello to everyone. And I told everyone about it at her school, like all the other moms, all, you know, and I was like, how cool is this that, you know, for, for a pretty nominal fee, he, this is such a great piece of marketing that, that he did. And it's probably not him. It's probably some genius in his office, but little things like that, where you look at him and you're like, how can I bring my clients together? How can I like do something that's going to have like a splash like that? And where they're going to think, oh my gosh, what a great idea. But you're just staying in touch with them. Uh, and think about how many different moms I told about this thing that are like, oh, my kid's going to need braces in a couple of years. And she has said these really great things about this orthodontist, and that's going to file away in their brain. Like it's, it's, it was brilliant. So I think when it comes from my experience to kind of summarize some of the things that you were saying, when it comes to this area, this lower part of the funnel, you have to be kind of creative, but you really have to know your clients too, to know what they might be interested in. Because obviously kids who are getting braces are totally wanting to go to the movies and whatever. Your clients probably not. Like that's probably not necessarily the greatest example for them. So you need to listen and know. And I know that's another thing you talk about a lot, just listening to your, your audience, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Some ways that you can listen in more closely also involve like, you know, what does the offboarding process look like? We didn't really talk so much today about testimonials, but like, are you getting testimonials from people? Are you sending a three to five question survey after you wrap up work to just understand how was the experience and maybe somewhere on that survey, you ask them to share, you know, what's next in their business journey. So you can, you know, then you have that piece of information on, okay, maybe it makes sense to reach out in six months to a year, check back in, see, you know, how XYZ launch is going with this client or, you know, whatever they have going on. Yeah. And so, yeah, under like really kind of building in this opportunity to keep the communication open as part of your offboarding process can be really valuable as well. So, yeah, you know, I can't tell you the number of times I've 
ask those kind of questions. And I think I know the answer and I totally don't. And I think like when they say, we have a question that's like, you know, what was the best part? What could, what could we have done better? All of these things. And I think I even know like, oh, this was the part where they're, you know, they, the things didn't go well or they, they weren't happy or something like that. I'm almost always wrong about that too. And it's like, okay, we're all humans. We all have different feelings about this whole process. Our projects are usually pretty lengthy. And throughout the life of that, I am feeling a certain way. They may not be feeling that way at all. And so to ask those questions is usually super eye-opening, so valuable too, because that's the stuff that then for that next client, you have that information that they're not even thinking about too. So you can do an even better job there too as well. Yeah, totally. To your point, it's like the answers from the survey go back up to the top of the funnel. Exactly. Like, yes, you asked, you know, your past clients. So why did you choose us? You know, what made you decide to move forward? And then you take that information for the next client. You're like, here, let me send you some, you know, thoughts from the last client on why they decided to move forward with us. And there's nothing more powerful than if I'm buying tennis shoes and I read the reviews of the tennis shoes and this person is like, I have a high arch and these shoes work great. And I'm like, I have a high arch. I'm going to buy these shoes. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) That whole idea of, oh, me too. Like that was me all, you know, not that that kind of me too, but you know, whatever. So moving on, (laughs) it is time for the book review. So I know you've got a good one that ties right in with this whole idea of branding and relationships and how you do all of that. So Cindy, what's the book that you're going to recommend for the library today? Yeah. So I love this book. Great. If you are someone who is looking to build out your personal brand, whether, you know, maybe you're leaving your current position and looking to start on your own or whether you're just looking to build a name for yourself within the industry. Um, it is called You Are the Brand. Very easy yes. to remember. It's by Mike Kim. Super fast read, but really, really actionable. It will really walk you through just some questions that you want to ask yourself when it comes to your brand so that you have clarity on what you stand for, how to speak about your services, and how to start building relationships with those people that you want to work with. I feel like when I see this done the wrong way, and I know we've all seen this, (laughs) and I'm sure you have plenty of examples, but when you see this done the wrong way, you just kind of cringe. And oftentimes it's on social media and they're oftentimes on the wrong social media platform. And they have just searched for like trending something on, you know, whatever platform they're on. And then they just do that same thing. And it's like, oh my gosh, you're a lawyer. What? No, stop. <laughs> like, right. I just want to like erase it real quick for them. But I think that's the goal, right? Is to avoid the cringe, to avoid doing it the wrong way. But a lot of people get hung up with like, okay, well then what, then what? Like, what do, what I, what do I do? And so this, this book is going to be a great resource. We, we talk to a lot of people, especially this time of year who are starting their own thing, leaving a place or thinking about it. So this is a great place to start in terms of defining how you do things differently, how you're going to approach and how you're going to build those relationships. We will put that book link to it on the show page and all of that good stuff so that everybody can find it easily. But it's You're the Brand, Mike Kim. So Cindy, what's one thing that you know that works? Well, when it comes to marketing, I'll always say this, focus on the outcomes and not the features, right? We talked about this earlier. Spend less time explaining what you're doing, you know, X, Y, Z for clients, spend more time talking to clients about how that's going to impact their life, how that's going to impact their business, how that's going to help them sleep better at night. The outcome is what drives the purchase. Yes. 
That's so good. I'm, I'm not even going to add anything to it because I want to leave it like nice and clean and simple there. But that's it. That is strategy in a nutshell. It, you know, trying not to get distracted with all of that other stuff and focusing on the goal, staying focused. Awesome. Cindy Chang is a brand coach at The Hustling Heart. We will link to all of your good stuff, your social media accounts, your content, and we'll obviously add the book review and all of that stuff in the show notes. But thank you so much. This was an awesome episode. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.